This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Night racing is back at Richmond Raceway. This spring, top NASCAR drivers like Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, Bubba Wallace, Ross Chastain, and Virginia's own Denny Hamlin will battle under the bright lights. And this historic track also offers a rocking infield experience with unparalleled access to your favorite drivers and one of the best tailgate scenes around. For a weekend of friends, family, and amazing short track action, head to Richmond Raceway, March 29th through 31st. Get tickets now at richmondraceway.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. It's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? I can't believe Vokes just scored. That's ridiculous. It's just gonna happen. It was always gonna happen, wasn't it? I can't that's like the worst like troll I think I've ever heard. <laughs> just brought, brought in Sam Vokes for lols. Well not for lols, but like as a as a you all do enabler. Took him straight out again. It's just scored. Oh, I quit. <laughs> oh, oh my god, you lose a Kennedy point. <laughs> oh, oh my god, all right, that's okay. ridiculous, isn't it? God, Lucy. Right, um, should we get cracking? Hello, so we're back on the first week after international break. On the game week 13, which was the story of the Raz and the Raz Knots, they're captaining a return and may have slightly softened the blow. Here's talk about the template shift during a game that has already featured a Sam Vokes goal after Nick's odd one to hit his nick indeed. Uh, how are you doing today, mate, especially after that uh, event that's just happened? Yeah, yeah, I'm all right. Thanks, Tom. Uh, as you may have gone from my reaction to that Vokes goal, not particularly not particularly happy after selling him on that Jimenez hit, but that's the beauty of um, recording during a match, especially a match where you sold a player like Sam Vokes on a hit and he goes and scores. But, you know, oh well, uh, we live and learn. Let's just hope the second half still has to play. So let's just hope it's not a brace because otherwise I'll be feeling even sore after a pretty poor game week with quite a large red arrow. So anyway, just to say who we are, of course we are Who Got The Assist. You can find us on Twitter Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL and use Spotify, SoundCloud or wherever you'd like to listen and subscribe. So uh, what are we talking about today, Tom? Yep, so as inferred on today's pod, we're going to be talking about the Young Turks like Raheem Sterling, uh, Leroy Sana, and these guys are asking questions for our teams now, especially in the context of the upcoming trio of fixtures in 14, 15 and 16, which will be played out over the course of seven days. We'll then run through the features, including a killer week for the All Englands, We'll also have a quick five-minute session with Championship Manager Legend Cherno Samba that recorded last Friday for your listening pleasure. Uh, then after that, we'll answer some of your listener questions. Yeah, sounds great, Tom. And, and thanks for the questions, guys. As always, it's our last pod for a couple of weeks, given the crush of fixtures coming up. But we'll have more on that at the end of the pod. So go on then. Shall we uh, get over and done with? Let's start with the game week reviews, if we must. What happens with you, Tom? It wasn't that great, Nick. I got 40, well, I'm 42 at the moment, uh, hopefully 43 after Kennedy um, plays the 90 minutes, hopefully a little bit more if he actually does something, but I, yeah, I'm not holding on much hope, to be honest with you. The good thing this week was captaining Mo Salah for a 16-pointer, also had uh, Robertson and Edison come through with clean sheets, but that was basically it. Unfortunately, I didn't get any instant gratification from my uh, from my long agonised over signing of Anthony Marshall. I was very lucky to get away with the fact Ryan Frey's did nothing, so I made one point, Nick. Uh, from that from that risky transfer, uh, the Aramoy double meant that the Wolves double up 
only listed two points, one point each, which is pretty poor. And uh, not owning Raz basically was the difference between a green arrow and a red one. Unless Ken does something now, I don't think I'm going to be getting a green one. So down to about uh, maybe about 65k, something like that. But it's, it's not too bad or retrievable. It's just what I do next, which is the mind boggler. What about you, Nick? How have you been getting on? Yeah, I mean, it's been a very poor week really 43 points in a minus four i've actually dropped all the way down to 180k now so <laughs> just sliding down in ranks i guess it was a it was a game week of mo mané and moy problems um with mané getting me nine mo getting me eight uh got a clean sheet from dna and uh the ever reliable robertson but blanks all around for the rest of my team triple wolves double chelsea resulting in a lovely red arrow and now Vokes, who went out on that minus four, just, you know, shoving the knife in a little bit deeper, you know, wrenching it just to, just to make me suffer a little bit more. But, yeah, I'm not going to be too negative. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a joke at the end of the day, that joke of Vokes. But we'll, uh, we'll carry on. We'll uh, concentrate on the pod and, and get going. So, um, anyway, shall we, shall we crack on? Yeah, let's do it. So I think we're reaching a time when uh, there's a fork in the road. Uh, it's a time of the premium assets perhaps queuing up for a switcheroo. It's the advent of real challenges in Raz, uh, Sane, Ali, Eriksen and Kane. And it's a question of how we fit these guys in. And who do we sacrifice between perhaps the more established players in many teams, which are Kuniguero, Mo Salah and uh, Eden Hazard. Obviously, a lot of people did have Raz captain this week or did have him in their team and they probably got that green arrow out of it. And I think it's just worth us talking about these guys and really what happens next and I think a good starting point perhaps is a question we put on Twitter earlier on uh, which was about loyalty it's about how loyal we are to our premium players and should we be keeping the faith as long as we are or should we just be more ruthless and just get rid of them if they start to not perform or if another player emerges who's a bit better and we had lots of really cool responses to this question there's a few that kind of directly talk about the players that we're going to talk about. So, you know, FPL Vinny said that uh, people are looking at Aguero, but why aren't they looking at Hazard, for example, who's delivered one assist in the last five? Any other player, he'd be gone. Andy said, you know, we can't be too low of the season. There's too many too many options for that. And in any other season, Salah would be worth £30 million, But at the moment, Sterling and Sana look incredible. So why would you be loyal there? And, you know, there's lots of other really good, really nice responses in terms of what people are thinking of doing at the moment and how people are thinking of moving these players around. Just to start off, then, Nick, who in particular has caught your eye of the guys that I've mentioned? So I think there are a few new pretenders to the crown that are definitely knocking on the door. And it is pushing that template. I mean, me and you, we both have Hazard and Salah and we have Aguero. And if we're going to bring in these guys, we're, we're potentially going to have to sacrifice one of them. And I think... Um, from my perspective, actually, it's quite easy what I need to do, unfortunately, annoyingly for you. I've also got Sadio Mane, and I can very easily do a swap from Mane to Sané, which um, rolls off the tongue very nicely as well. And I think Sané, if, if we want to start a Sané, I think he's, he's definitely an option and an alternative. Sterling, perhaps, has been the one that's bossing it the most, and, and you'll see that in market forces. But Sané is, is a cheaper alternative. But what I think is very interesting is actually the four games that uh, Mendy has missed this season, Sané has started all of them. I think Sané has that left flank as his own now. You know, Pep isn't really one of those managers that gives us too many nuggets of information, but a quote from the 24th of August on Sané, he said, he's not being left out because we're unhappy with his performance. We have to choose now. Mendy is playing more wide. That's the reason why. He's ready with his physical condition. He doesn't need much time to get in better condition. It's not about that. So that suggests that Sané wasn't playing because of Mendy. But now Mendy's out of the equation. You've got Fabian Delft playing left back, who's not an attacking defender. He sits back a lot, and that gives Sané that flexibility. And and his performance with beautiful brace and assists, he gained the plaudits of Alan Shearer on match of the day, is a demonstration of his quality. And I'd be surprised if he dropped out of the City team now. And... At 5.6% ownership, he is a brilliant differential to, to bring in very easily for me. Yeah, he's not blanked this year when starting a game, which is a pretty astonishing record. In the last three games, he's registered three assists from just six chances created. So he's really on it at the moment, Sane. But one of the questions I guess you would need to ask is, if you don't have Sterling already, would you be happy with Sane on his own? And we asked that as a poll today, and it came up 50-50, Nick, after a 1,000 votes. So... <laughs> Half of the people said that they'd be happy uh, to just have Sane as their only City player. And half the people said they wouldn't at all. And there were quite a lot of people who were saying, well, he only comes as like a combination package uh, compared to uh, Raheem Sterling, who, as you mentioned, is absolutely beasting it at the moment. 
Ra's just a couple of stats on him. He's got 30% conversion rate. Um, Matthew Jones sort of found that it was 21% last year, so it's a 9% overperformance. No, not really. He's, he's doing pretty well. Uh, he's also had uh, the most pen box touches of any player with 43 over the last four. And he has a points per minute of 8.6 compared to the 6.9 last season. The size as well is at 6.3 compared to 5.6 last season. So Sterling himself is doing very, very well. It's just the difference in price, I guess, which is um, making some people look at the Sane. I mean, you can just buy him from Mane, it's just a bit easier for you. But for others, I guess they are looking at Sane and Sterling and thinking, oh, you know, I can make a bit more money out of having Sane and I've got some money left over and I can do, you know, Kunta Kane or something like that. Like, would you be advising people to look at Sane on his own or do you agree more of that him being part of like a package deal sort of thing? Well, I think with Sane, I'm probably going to keep Aguero for the moment. And I think there's definitely a case that you can double up on Manchester City. I mean, this is a team we're talking about in the last five games. They've scored 21 goals as an average of over four a game in the last five. And, you know, that's been a mixed bag of fixtures, including games against Spurs and Manchester United. So I think, you know, with Manchester City, they're going to score lots of goals it's going to come from potentially Agrero. Unfortunately, I captained Agrero. He missed out this game week. But you've got Sane, you've got Sterling, you've got all these players that are very aggressive, very attacking, and going to continue to score lots of goals. I think with Sane, I mean, you could potentially only own him. But I think there's a case of if you own Sane, why not also bring in Sterling? Why not also bring in or keep Agrero, depending on your setup? I think the problem and the challenge for me with Sterling is the cost. And he does cost an extra two million. It's not a straight swap for me to bring in Sterling compared to Sané, which very nicely swaps uh, Mane for Sané. And I think the players that own Aguero, they've got a tougher decision because it's um, it's more of a, it's like a sideways move on a minus four really is what you're talking about here. If you're, if you're thinking of downgrading Aguero and then using those funds to upgrade Sterling, that's a, that's a really tricky decision. And I think, you know, despite sort of often being a 60-minute man, Aguero has started every single game with, with Jesus sort of comfortably sitting second fiddle. We've seen with Sterling, he did miss out against Huddersfield. He missed out against Burnley at home as well. Two very nice fixtures where Pep saw as a chance to rest um, Sterling. It, it's it's about time now, actually, that he's due another rest. So he's played he's played a number of games in a row. He's played four Premier League games in a row. He's got another midweek fixture in the Champions League on Tuesday against Lyon. And then he's got three, three Premier League fixtures very tightly um, next to each other. And I, I really wouldn't be surprised if he does miss out on one of those games, to be honest with Sterling. And I think that's the, that's the challenge if you do get tempted to do that minus four, sell Aguero, bring in Sterling. He could be punished if he's if he's rested that game week. Yeah, they've got Bournemouth, Watford and Chelsea over the course of seven days, which are two pretty good fixtures and one which is a bit more tough. I think the difference here and why Sterling is getting so much more interest and attention. So he's had uh, the most transfers in, I believe, this week so far. As Sane has had about a third. I think the difference here is basically captaincy. I think that's what it comes down to, that you can captain Sterling. I'm not sure you'd be able to captain Sane. And I think this kind of, it helps us divide up the two types of players in this kind of, desirable bracket at the moment it's like tier one is 11 million plus guys so could Aguero, Mosalar, Haz, Raz, Kane and maybe even Aubameyang in the future and tier two you've got you know Sane, Ali, Eriksson, maybe Mane who you're getting rid of and, and Lacazette mm-hmm. and I think what's interesting about that is if you are moving these players around I mean obviously you don't have your transfers in the vacuum but surely you should be bringing in players that you are going to be happy to captain. For sure. I think I think with me, I mean, Mane to Sane, it works very effectively. I wasn't really thinking about captaining Mane ever. If I captained a Liverpool player, it was always going to be Mo Salah. So Mane wasn't a captain choice for me. For me as well, with Manchester City, I'm keeping Aguero for the moment, but I'd probably captain Aguero over Sane. So I've got three players in my team currently, which I'm happy to captain each week. This game week, it might be Hazard against Fulham, but I've also got Aguero who's got Bournemouth. I've got Mo Salah if I wanted to captain, probably not against Everton. And then the following week, I've got Salah potentially against Burnley. I've got Aguero against Watford, Hazard against Wolves. So I've got plenty of captains options there. Sane would be fourth choice captain, but I probably wouldn't be brave enough to captain him, even though if he continues this sort of form, he would have been a great differential captain this game week with his 19 points. Yeah, it sounds like um, it's a case of kind of you, you've got a maximum free sort of thing at the moment. And as you mentioned earlier on, people who have a slightly different configuration than you, uh, such as me, have a bit of an issue here because of the fact you've got perhaps Hazard, perhaps Mo Salah and perhaps Kuniguero. And trying to move the money around to make space for a Sane or make space for a Sterling probably doesn't really work. And you are 
looking at removing maybe Hazard, maybe moving, removing Salah. And there's quite a few options. People are looking at selling both. I mean, you mentioned Hazard a minute ago, so it's going to start there. Um, over the last few games, it's it's not really gone very well. I and mean, obviously, he was injured for one and only came off the bench for another. But in the last four, he's only had five attempts. Um, only one of them has been in the box compared to 13 attempts between game weeks five and eight, of which 12 were in the box. And Adam Hopcroft this week noted that it's all about Giroud. If uh, Morata's playing, Hazard seems to be creating the chances a little bit more, uh, but Morata seems to be missing them. He's highest for big chances missed, obviously. Um, even if you kind of uh, extrapolated the last few four games to account for the lost game, it's still not really a patch on how he's been performing. And it seems to me that even like the Fulham game is just an inconvenience, isn't it? If that game wasn't there, I'd be considering perhaps getting rid of him more than I am. I'm, I may kind of reluctantly do it. Um, but it is a little bit of a riddler, isn't it? Having that Fulham game sitting there. Do you think that that's the case, Nick? I'm not sure, to be honest. I think Hazard's one of those players that's definitely been the bane of my existence since uh, since we started playing FBL, especially like the last two seasons where, you know, he's he's known for being for being an epic troll uh, and just, just being a complete wind-up merchant. I think for me, I think Hazard stays definitely with that Fulham game at home. I'm actually even tempted to just, you know, go all in and, ca- and captain him. But um, also what I'd like to say about Hazard is um, over the course of the season, in terms of chances created, he's created a chance every 26 minutes, which is far better than a lot of the other midfielders out there. And uh, one person as well that I think perhaps there is a case for selling as well is Mo Salah, Tom, unfortunately, <laughs> at 13 million. You could free up a lot of cash with a straight swap for Salah to Sterling. And I think that might be a more tempting move for you. Maybe a braver move, I don't know. But with the Chelsea-Fulham match, Liverpool playing their rivals Everton, perhaps uh, you can cover Liverpool with only Robertson. I don't know. But what I found very interesting about Salah is um, despite his seven goals and four assists, um, he's only managed, I think you know this, but he's only managed two bonus points all season. That's less than Fred. Hog and Ndidi. And even Hog with his one assist has been more of a bonus Hog than Salah this season. Okay, he's very consistent in that seven or eight points that he seems to be producing, but could you say there's a case for selling Mo? Um, I think with Mo, the fear factor isn't there as much, but perhaps that's because I've not sold him yet. Um, I've reached a point now with my team that I've hit a bit of a threshold with him, and maybe this may resonate with some Solarians out there, because it feels very restricted having spent that £30 million on him, and it's meaning that it, it's hard for me to find the extra money to upgrade if I were to sell Martial, for example, which I'm probably not going to do, but if I were to upgrade him to Sane, it's easy for some because they haven't got Salah, they've spent, you know, they've had Mane this whole time, so they've got that extra three million fluid cash to be able to move that around, whereas I don't. Um, and the next three are okay. They are uh, they are Everton at home, Burnley away, and Bournemouth away. The thing is, if you look at him. In that period, we're not going to be captioning him probably this game week because you've got Bournemouth at home for Man City. Game week 15, maybe Burnley away, but Spurs have got Southampton, the people are going to be buying in Kane, for example. And then in game week 16, you've got Arsenal, have got Huddersfield at home, and Man United have got Fulham at home. Kane absolutely loves playing Leicester. I mean, there are other options to be captaining within those game weeks. I mean, I think probably the standout is game week 16 when he's away at Bournemouth. But I mean, there are other options and there are other ways to play it. And freeing up the money to get rid of Mo is definitely incredibly tempting because suddenly money's not an issue anymore compared to if I'm getting rid of Hazard, which I was thinking about and may still be thinking about if he if his ankle is out and he's looking to be rested, um, then he's definitely going. It is definitely a good time to be selling Salah if you are that way inclined, um, because I guess you'd be looking to looking to move the money around. It's not that he's a bad asset; he's not at all. He's a very very good asset. But if you're not planning to captain over the next three games you're carrying a 30 million pound asset that you're not going to be captaining that I, I don't know whether that that's worthwhile when that money could be working a lot harder elsewhere he's still top of the 10 amongst all players in the last four Salah so it's not like he's a busted flush I think with Salah I probably will be keeping him I mean I've got Manny I could potentially if I wanted to sort of do a Salah to Sterling swap and then say okay I'm going to cover Salah by still owning Mane during this period or I could just get rid of um, both potentially and you know free up all that cash and and invest in Spurs as well because um, Spurs are the other team that I wanted to talk about Tom today especially after that sort of barnstorming uh, match against Chelsea and 
and then their fixture run is also really good. I mean, their next fixture, perhaps it's a week too early to start bringing in the Spurs players, considering they've got that London derby against Arsenal. But after that, that run of Southampton, Leicester, Burnley, Everton, and, you know, great fixtures after that as well, all the way um, to the new year is, um, you know, it's, it's they're definitely a team to cover. And I think, you, I know you're a big fan of Kane, but I wanted to quickly talk about a couple of the uh, the midfielders that we haven't really talked about at all this season because they've been injured or sort of out of form a little bit. But um, the guys I wanted to talk about, Tom, were um, Ericsson and Ali. You know, our old favourites. So um, Ali had a you know a really good match. But looking back, I mean, he is he was brilliant, particularly in the 2016-17 season, which we may have forgotten about, where he was actually the second highest scorer of the season, only behind the, forg- the even more forgotten man, Alexis Sanchez. However, that season he did only outscore Ericsson by seven points. But after sort of changed my mind a little bit, and I'm actually preferring Ericsson now because. Even though Ali's 0.3 cheaper than Ericsson, Ali's only created chances every 111 minutes. Ericsson, on the other hand, has created a chance every 34 minutes. So it's quite quite a dramatic difference. And Ericsson picked up two assists. That's his first double-figure score for the uh, for the game week. And he actually created seven chances in this game week, which was three more than any other player, which incidentally was um, Anthony Martial. And uh, yeah, so Ericsson's had created a chance every 34 minutes compared to um, some of the other midfielders we've been talking about. Hazard's created a chance every 26, um, Sterling every 37, Sane every 40. And Salah's a little bit behind as well in the chance creating. So we talked a lot about his shots, but man, one of the main reasons he's not getting those bonus points is he's not creating a lot of chances for his teammates. Only one every 47 minutes, which is a little bit worrying as well. So Salah and Ali not really creating too many chances. They've got perhaps a better goal threat than some of these other options. But looking at the likes of Ericsson, Hazard, you know, they're always potentially going to pick up bonus points. If Chelsea have a penalty, Hazard will take it. He's almost instantly going to get free bonus points then as well because of the fact that he's creating chances. He's the, the main creative threat for Chelsea. And also... It is worth mentioning again that Chelsea, being in the Europa League, means they can afford to rest Hazard whilst with the likes of Liverpool, with the likes of Man City and Spurs, they're going to be probably playing their best team and their best players in those Champions League midweek fixtures that are coming up. Oh, interesting. Well, I think just Ericsson generally, I mean, I, I think that they're both very interesting players. I mean, I'd throw Son into the mix as well, by the way. <laughs> Looked very, very good to the 8.3. He just had one of those games where like he was playing like he was a man possessed, wasn't he, at times? And he did start every game, I believe, over last Christmas. It's just a case of whether uh, Lucas Moura does get that time in the in the team. But I'm sure Poch will not have thought it was a coincidence that he plays his four best attacking players and something they would do very well. Um, Spurs generally have improved and Ericsson, I think, will be be a big uh, catalyst to their improvement continuing um spurs have the highest proportion of their shots being on target nick 20 of their 43 shots in the last four have been on target and 10 of those shots were taken by a certain mr harry kane over the last four he's had more attempts than any other striker but as mentioned those 10 shots on target means he's had more shots on target in the last four than any other player Morata, martial and solara joined second with seven and with the upcoming fixture on in place if you're looking at um just past well north london derby he scored six and six uh, but you've got arsenal leicester southampton burnley everton completing that five and then between game weeks 19 and 20 uh the time when harry kane does like to score a hat-trick at christmas he's got two home games against bournemouth and wolves yeah, it's going to be very hard to uh, resist that, especially in the context of other players kind of falling off the radar a little bit in terms of, you know, has drying up, for example. I'm seriously looking at it. I'm seriously thinking I might having my captain for game week 15 against Southampton, the 90-minute man. How are you thinking, or are you thinking of bringing 12.3 Harry Kane in, Nick? So I'm probably thinking about possibly another option, actually, which you haven't mentioned, which is Aubameyang. And uh, so I, I, I quite like the idea of a game week 16 swap of Aguero to Aubameyang. It doesn't require a hit because of the prices. Whilst um, with Kane, I'm going to have to somehow source another million if, I'm, if I want to bring Kane in for, for Aguero. Um, and Arsenal have Huddersfield at home, whilst um, Aguero has um, Chelsea and that that. That works out really well as a sort of game week 16 transfer, which is just, you know, a free transfer without requiring a source of extra money. And, it, and I think it's quite good. I think in game week 15 might be the week that I bring in a Spurs player, uh, possibly for Hazard, depending on how he's doing. But I want to keep Hazard for that Fulham match. 
So that's kind of my little plan anyway, is to kind of go for a Mane to Sané move this game week, perhaps a Hazard to Ali move or Hazard to Ericsson to get that Spurs coverage for that Southampton match and to get that Spurs coverage for a little while. And then with game week 16, Arsenal's run really kicks off, started at Huddersfield, followed by Southampton Burnley, another really good run of fixtures after that. Probably Aguero to Aubameyang is what I'm thinking. Anyway, that's that's my sort of three-week plan for the moment. What about yourself? Uh, that's interesting. I, I, I'm really not decided yet, to be honest with you. I mean, the final point I want to make before we before we wrap up this section is that this was a weird game week again. It was a week in which the overall average, so you know, all of the zombie teams and everything out there, exceeded the top 10k scores. In the future, that's going to swap, and we'll see kind of the more engaged probably see the more engaged template start to reassert itself again. So I'm wondering if there is a case for patience and whether there is a case for rolling my free transfer. Um, I will talk about transfers and captains later on, but I mean, the Martial transfer, I probably didn't need to do that, um, but I'm probably just frustrated I think get instant returns, to be honest. Um, I'm going to have to just retire to my back cave and really think about how I'm going to do it. Um, but I would like, uh, would like a midfielder from Man City. I would like Kane, and I think... I don't know whether don't know when or if I'm going to do it, but yeah, quite a lot of decisions to be made. Sorry, I can't give you the answer right now, uh, but hopefully that was fairly useful in terms of uh, looking at these key guys. Yeah, I think there's plenty of time to to make your mind up and make your transfer. You know, I've set out a plan at the moment, but it's probably going to to fall all apart, and I'll be taking hits. There'll be injuries. There'll be another crisis. I'll, I'll be end up in the in the Arkham Asylum. But we'll have to see what happens anyway. And uh, you know, we'll, we'll leave there and, and move on to the uh, the next section. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? We're back and we're going to do our feature section now. This is where we run through our market forces, the Zombie League, and the All England team, our regular section of the pod. Let's start off with the market forces as always. This is our section where we use FPL NTI days to describe the moves and shakers in the transfer market. Nick, it's Sterling, isn't it, at the top this week? I'm guessing it's probably going to be all about Man City. Exactly. Um, and Sterling's had over 140,000 transfers in. Um, the Raz attack is fully on with his fourth double figure return of the season and second in three weeks. He's now overtaken Hazard and Aguero and is now the top scoring player in the game. And the market have definitely taken note as people rushed to transfer him in. And it's crazy to think actually how low his ownership was at the start of the season after a poor World Cup. His ownership's still only at 12.8%, but he'll pretty soon be unaffordable with all those price rises that are following. So, yeah, uh, Sterling definitely attracted the interest. And, it, and it's actually Hazard that seems to be taking the brunt of it. He's got a yellow flag, but he's had over 110,000 transfers out. And and I've said this a few game weeks now, and it, it's just it's beggar's belief, really, I think, personally, as to people rushing to transfer out a player like Hazard, especially before the Champions League fixtures. He may be yellow flagged, but he's got Fulham at home next. You know, some serious knee-jerking, to be honest. You know, if you were to sell him, you should have done it before the Spurs and Everton fixtures. Um, not really before a, a sort of a plum home game where surely Chelsea are going to be fired up. And we saw it with Mane. Um, Lots of people selling him before that Cardiff at home game. We saw Ronaldovic, a lot of people selling him before that Burnley at home game. And now it's Hazard with Fulham. And whilst it might be the right decision at the end of the day, especially if he's declared out later on in the week, it's just it's just too early for me. And I just disagree with people sort of doing these early transfers and looking too much at form and not enough at fixtures. Yeah, I can understand that, especially if you just think, well, as you mentioned, Upcoming is a is a game where he could easily return and make you want to get get him back in. Um, uh, I just don't really. Yeah, I mean, I can understand why people are responding to the bat signal for a player to score more points. It's just, yeah, it seems too early, doesn't it? I mean, going on with the market forces, then um, alongside Sterling, you've got his midfield buddies, uh, Sane, uh, been brought in by uh, yeah about sixty five thousand people now. Uh, David Silva has been brought in by forty five thousand. And uh, other people bearing the brunt uh, of uh, last week's uh, last week's poor uh, performances for some. Uh, we're seeing sales for characters such as uh, Alexander Lacazette, who didn't play because he was injured, 50,000 out. Uh, two flag players in uh, Kieran Trippier and Ben Mendy still attracting sales. And Cunaguero, Nick, who's been sold by 38,000 people, no doubt in rage. Yeah, perhaps people are starting to look at small at the front because there's not too many sort of premium strikers that are attracting transfers in. Interesting enough, Mitrovic is actually back on the radar with his brace with over 45,000 transfers in. It's, it's one that stings for me again. But um, for now, I think I'll hold off with sort of uh, 
knee jerking him back in and hope my faith in Wolves finally pays off for Jimenez with Cardiff up next. I mean, Fulham have Chelsea, Leicester and United as the next three. So it's probably not the best time to be bringing him in. And he, he's, he's proven to be a frustrating player. He hadn't actually scored in 10 hours of Premier League action before before the goals this weekend. So seems a little bit too early to bring him in. And the other one to mention, you mentioned the Trippier and Mendy attracting sales because of injury. But uh, TAA is the, is the big defender on the radar with over 110, over 115,000 transfers in now. Um, an 11-pointer followed by 14 pointer for the very affordable Liverpool right back who's now got one goal two assists and seven clean sheets to his name is having an absolutely fantastic season um he's still trading his teammate Robertson by about 13 points but the fact that he's 1.3 million cheaper goes a real really long way in, in terms of making an affordable option at the back another option um, people are buying in also is uh, Laporte as the other sort of defender that's attracting transfers with over 40,000 transfers in this game week yeah Definitely. Well, quite a lot of action there and quite a lot of action, no doubt, to come after Champions League and Europa League fixtures. Let's move on to the Zombies then, Nick. And uh, this is our uh, team of set and forget start of the season. No chips, no transfers, no changes league. Uh, but with teams managed by ours and thousands of others uh, of people's uh, unspecified fan members. And I suspect that the unspecified fan members are cock-a-hoop this week, aren't they, Nick? After our main team's actually bombed. Mm-hmm. How did your Zombies do this week? I'm presuming a lot better. No, not really. <laughs> they, only got 40, they only got 44 points. So it was about the same as my main team, to be honest. Uh, you know, the usual suspects were, were missing as usual. So they only field about eight or nine players each game week. Uh, Michael Keane seems to be proving the most consistent uh, performer within the team with an eight-pointer. Um, Kane got six. Knockhart's got six. Captain Salah got his usual eight with no bonus times two. Uh, but everyone else blanked, you know, the likes of Vitonian and Bailly and Diego Yo. To, you know, departures in the team as well for some reason doing doing nothing. So uh, yeah, pretty poor. Uh, what about so your zombies did pretty well then? Did they? Yeah, the turn of Christian Eriksen has really helped me out here. Eleven points uh, for him. And Roberto Firmino deciding to show up as well with twelve with a twelve pointer. Uh, Captain Aubameyang uh, got uh, got a goal for a sixteen pointer. Um, and uh, at the back, Aspilicueta registered an assist, whereas Edison and Ashley Young uh, registered uh, clean sheets. Uh, 64 points yeah, for the Zombies, so. which is uh, a lot better than my actual team, which is which is depressing. I think this is the first time in the season this has happened to me, which isn't too bad, actually, considering. Uh, so, yeah, it, it took 13, unlucky 13, uh, for it to start to happen. But, yeah, moving on to the Zombie League itself, uh, still uh, ongoing because we've obviously got the Burnley-Newcastle game in the background. Top of the Zombie League this week is uh, Marino Bruin, uh, at the moment he is uh, he's got 66 points, Nick. But he didn't have Mendy, didn't have Trippier, didn't have Oates, which means that Robertson uh, with seven, uh, Costa with two, and Ichinacho with an assist come off his bench, which he see him take over Zombieland, long-term leader NP. Um, who uh, looks like he's going to be on about 58 points after the game week. So, yeah, very, very close up the top. In third, it's Zombie Mango, Rob Hayes, who got a 50, or Aguero Caps didn't pay off for him. In fourth, it's Blue Carefree, um, Captain Hazard, again, didn't really work out. And in fifth, uh, back up to fifth, it's Sir Pancelot, um, Abidel, uh, Annabelle Christie, double Liverpool backline, Alexander Arnold and Lovren uh, got her 20 points. Uh, Mane in midfield as well returned, as, and so did Aubameyang and King up front. Uh, and she also gets Tomkins off the bench for Mendy. Oh, excellent. Pretty damn nice. The final thing to mention this week is the All England team, Nick. And uh, do you want to wager a guess how well they did? Yeah, I know they did really well, didn't they, Tom? Because they had the captain uh, Sterling, they had the TAA, they even had the likes of Glenn Murray returning <laughs> quite a good score. So, yeah, not bad for them, was it? Yeah, it was 81 points. My unspecified family member did Maguire out Keenan, which really worked. So it was an Everton double up at the back. Uh, Keenan Pickford brought home the bacon. TAA at the back, 14 points. Walker with a clean sheet. Captain Sterling for 32. And up front, Kane and Murray both scored. Uh, unfortunately, Madison did get sent off. Uh, for a minus two and Milner and Barkley didn't do anything and third bench was Jamie Vardy um, I don't know why that happened I think it's because I was looking at it too close to the deadline um, but up to 798k now overall so oh, half yeah. their rank after one good game week it's pretty good well that's all it needs isn't it yeah exactly I think down past 500k it just it feels like it's incredibly congested and you can just move quite a long way with one good game week so if you aren't doing very well you can always take heart from that Okay, let's take a break there, Nick. After this, we'll be playing a five-minute interview for Championship Manager legend Cheno Samba, which I did last Friday. Enjoy, and we'll be back to answer your questions after that. You 
Right, well, we've got a little bit of a treat for you in this section. I'm, I was joined on Friday night by a living legend, uh, Cherno Samba of uh, Championship Manager fame. I just want to thank um, FPL Hints Chief for setting this up. He's just come on the pod quickly this week to talk about his new book. And uh, yeah, just a few other bits and pieces. Cherno, how are you doing? Uh, how has the last few weeks been? I'm all right, mate. Not too bad. It's been absolutely hectic, but, you know, um, embracing every minute of it. Yeah, I saw you were at the UN the other day. Is that correct? It was a peace charity, yeah, yeah, a football save lives charity. All right, and that, yeah. that was with a few, uh, a few quite famous folk. Uh, well, almost as famous <laughs> as you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was top, top, top people there. You know, with the likes of Meze Ozil and um, Carlton Cole and the rest, and the Prince was there as well. So oh, it was nice to see, you know, speak to the Royal Highness. Oh wow! I bet they all kind of saw you and just like Jesus. Oh my God! <laughs> this guy is an actual legend. Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, championship manager legends. No, it's, it's really good to hear that it's been very busy. At the time, it was championship manager, but now it's called football manager. It was just, um, it's something that just is part of me. And um, I can't get away from that, to be honest. Um, I remember when I first heard about the game, I think I was at Millwall and one of my friends came up to me and said, look, do you know about this game? Um, it's really amazing. You're absolutely amazing. And I said, what are you talking about? So... I went and bought it myself and then looked at the stats and I thought, bloody hell, this is, this is unreal. And since then, it's just, you know, um, I play all the time and I try buying myself as well. Sometimes, what I used to do as well is <laughs> I used to get myself for a cheap and then just go and win trophies up on trophies, Champions League and, you know, league titles and FA Cups and all that stuff. So um, it's, it's, it's one of them things that's part of me. And, um, you know, I've got to embrace it. Simple as me. It's, it's so strange to be talking to you because you know I had you as like my <laughs> the main linchpin of so many saves. You know, like you scoring 40, 50 goals a season. You know, yeah. being World Player of the Year and everything mm. like that. What does your book talk about in, in that regard? Give us a, just a general kind of overview of, of the book. Yeah. So basically, in two thousand and seventeen, I've done an advert with, uh, with, with with the gamers, and um, it's just to talk about the impact that it had on my life um, in terms of my career and also you know, what, what I went through, you can't run away from it because of the football manager. Because I remember when I was playing games against, you know, the, the likes of Chelsea, Arsenal, you know, Reading, Aston Villa and stuff. I used to have the people that were marking me. They used to tease me about the championship. Man, I wouldn't say tease, actually. They used to say, look, you better not be doing what you're going to do to me on the stats because the stats says this. So you better not be, you know, running off me and all that stuff. So I, they used to always, there's always a banner about that. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, which was cool. And um, it, it, it was sort of thing as well where I used to use that stats as well to say I've got to deliver every single time that I play. So there was a little bit of pressure for myself as well. And I used to put that on myself because um, I used to always think, why well, the football manager said this. So I've got to make sure that I actually produce week in, week out what the stats were saying. So it's a bit of a sort of a conflict. But you know what? It's, it's it's part of them and you know i wrote a chapter about them and it's 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 a great chapter people they look they will see what i mean about and it's, it's it's something that's close to my heart now yeah exactly and I, I think you know you've said a couple of times you can't really run away from it and it's interesting to i remember i saw some quotes from freddie adu um who's yeah. another kind of famous football manager slash championship manager a great player on there and he said that you know that really damned his career and it seems yeah. to have a negative impact on him so there's a big contrast between how he maybe conceives of it and how you do for me i i disagree with him unfortunately because um uh i always say to people where if it wasn't a football manager, some of us would not be still known in the game or whatever. So, and for me, you know, if, if something like that was to distract you from to achieve your goal, then I think he was in the wrong sport then. That's my honest opinion. No, you know, no disrespect to him or anything, but you're going to get distracted anyway in, in terms of whatever you do. So it's, the, it's, it's, it's up to the individual to, to, to focus and get the goal that he wants to get to and get to the top. The fact that there was a game out there that was said about all these stats about him or about me myself or anybody else if you say to yourself that that was the reason why it distracted you then you know i'm not sure i i, I just I, I disagree from my point of view anyway I, if, if any i think you should have embraced that and work hard as I, as I should have done uh work harder and not let other things like that to distract your career so you know i disagree with that anyway
but that's who am I to say anything? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, no, absolutely. But it's interesting that that kind of thing ties the two of you together, which mm. is a strange thing, really, to have in common with people. Yeah. And we have uh, in fantasy football world, we just we, we come into contact with all sorts of people who all have this kind of one little thing in common. Yeah. That's even more kind of minute and niche, isn't it? Really. Yeah. And so, still in the game, it's all about you, and is is it about your career's experience? The, the reason why I came up with the book was um, two reasons. One was to just let the world know what's happened to me and what could have been and the mistakes that I did and what I, what, what I should have done better to, to, to educate the next generation of Imagine Talent so that they can learn from my mistakes and learn the good things and the bad things. And um, just to get that frustration out first, to say, to tell the world this was happened to me. And it was sort of a therapy for me to go through that book. I was going, there was a lot of things in my head. There was a lot of things that I was holding on to. There was a lot of things that was eating me away. So those, that's one of the reasons why I came up with a book. And the second thing was, obviously, to help the next generation of emerging talents so that they don't fall into the same pitfalls as some of us did and they can learn from it. So um, basically, those were the two reasons why I actually came up with a book. Sounds excellent. And finally, Vincerno, what's your career highlight, would you say? What's the one thing you always remember from your football career outside of football manager? <laughs> um, I think my, my, one, of, one of the things that always stand out for me was my first goal for England. Um, I think it was against Wales when I had the ball from um, uh, middle of the park, beat about two, three, four people, I think, and then just slot it bottom corner. That's one of the highlights because that was my second game for England against Wales. And I'll never forget that. And, you know, that was really, really, I was really happy with that. And obviously, it was all playing for the Gambia national team because um, to play against um, the likes of Senegal and all these big African couple, uh, African nations. Mm. So um, I was called up for the Africa uh, uh, Cup of Nations and also the World Cup. So that's that's two highlights of my, my, my career as well, so which I'm, you know, proud of. But I think the one that would, you know, always spring to mind is my goal against Wales. Awesome. And, I, awesome. and, and I was mad at the match as well. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you always want to get that, especially if you get a goal. All right, yeah. excellent. Well, thanks, Cherno, for your time today. Cherno's book is called Still in the Game, and you can pre-order it at chernosamba.co.uk. Uh, it will all be available for everybody's Christmas stocking. So the championship manager Absolutely. or football manager, Absolutely. not in your life, uh, go Absolutely. out and buy it for him. They won't be disappointed. I'll put it, put it that way. They will definitely not be disappointed. There are some some stories in there they will enjoy. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Thanks very much, Charlie. No worries, pal. Take it easy. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and it's time to catch up with the Who Got the Assist Mini League. And it is quite exciting, actually, um, the developments at the top, I guess. Um, I mean, Guy Guy, Vinaldum, Levio Salah did, um, didn't do too well, about the same as me. 44 points, um, you know, uh, not a great game week, but he did captain Mo Salah, which um, was a good result. Very similar team to yourself at the moment, actually, Tom. But um, yeah, 44 points was still a seventh overall rank. What's more interesting, I guess, is uh, who's in second now. And it's a new entry to the top 10. Uh, Ryan Gita with Pinky and De Bruyne. He got an 83 points return, which is absolutely brilliant. Sort of now on 917 points, he's now up to 48th in the world. And that's just, I guess, the power of the differential this game week. And those differentials were sort of Sterling and TAA. Um, so Sterling captain 32 points and Mane 9, TAA with the 14. You also even have Glenn Murray in. Um, for eight points, are very much like the All England team there, and uh, the poor clean sheet. So uh, yeah, really good uh, result there for Ryan, propelling him right to the top. So that's the power of the differential. Knocked out um, Kurt Goodwin. Uh, he only got thirty-seven points, but he's still only one point behind Ryan Geese. It's a poor week for Kurt. Um, in fourth is Oral Ravindran with Uruguay fifty-nine points, and Marwan El Minari with Odin Force five thousand XL got forty points with nine hundred six. So a lot of them sort of forty to fifty. 30 points, quite a poor score, scores in those top 10. But I think um, also worth mentioning Ray Hamill, who got 82 points. He's um, he's climbed up the ranks quite heavily as well with a really good return with that 82-pointer, brought him up to 282 with his team taking the mickey. And like Ryan, he also captained Sterling and had TAA. So I think those were really key players for those guys um, this game that really helped them uh, climb the ranks. 
Yeah, if you think about it, some people may have been outscored by just Raheem Sterling or just Leroy Sano, which is absolutely crazy, to be honest. Okay, a couple of things to mention this week. The first is, of course, every week, the FPL London meetup. We and MathSafe FPL cordially invite you to this year's Christmas drinks, which is on Friday, the 14th of December, 7pm, the Marlebone Sports Bar and Grill. If you want to come and join, please let me know. Uh, either email us or... Uh, let me know on Twitter. Uh, the second thing to mention is we're going to be up early on Saturday, which doesn't bode very well because I'm going out on Friday night. Uh, but we're going to be up early on Saturday to do the Fantasy Football Scout Breakfast Club with Joe and David, uh, which we're really looking forward to. God knows what kind of state I'm going to be and Hopefully, I won't have a lacerated hand after, uh, <laughs> after yeah, being no. out that night. <laughs> I guess it will just be kind of talking about the next three weeks in the same way we have now. Um, but yeah, it should be good fun, shouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Looking forward to that. It'll be, uh, you know, first time on the Breakfast Club for uh, both of us. But yeah, we, we should be uh, enjoying it. And I've, I've got the pass as well for the wife. So, you know, that's always a plus. Yeah, that's, that's always what you want, isn't it? My girlfriend's not here, so it's probably okay. Um, okay, uh, the, next, uh, the next thing is obviously your questions. Thanks very much for your questions this week. Um, I, we've whittled it down to four slash four and a half very good ones, um, which hopefully are interesting outside of the whole sterling question which is basically what it's all about isn't it first question is from fpl hannah um, who asks uh, about defensive city so her question is we've spoken about their offense a lot spoken about how sterling and sane are really pushing into the template but does their defense remain a must-have well i don't know about must-have i mean in one position you've got a sort of stones otamendi and even company rotation so i think it's worth just avoiding all those players because you're not sure who's going to play or who pep's going to favor at mendy injury which means fabian delph comes in and he's a little bit cheaper but you perhaps don't want to really cover him perhaps he, even he might be rotated still with zinchenko i think then it kind of just like leaves three men really to talk about laporte 6.1 walker 6.5 edison at 5.8 i mean none of them you know, offer too much attacking for it. And I think Walker especially feels a little bit too expensive. And the port's perhaps the, the best one out of the bunch. But for me, I actually think it's worth um, comparing them to Liverpool uh, briefly. And I think with Liverpool, you've, you've got Robbo. He is 6.5 now, but he was 6.0. And uh, a lot of people own him. But I think there's also the potential of doubling up on the Liverpool defence, perhaps with, with TAA at 5.2 or even getting the goalkeeper at Allison at 5.7 as a premium de- uh, goalkeeper. And I think looking at the two sides, I did a little bit of a comparison of Liverpool and City defensively. Both have eight clean sheets. Both have conceded only five goals this season. And in terms of uh, goals, uh, in terms of shots conceded, City have Liverpool just pipped 87 against 105, 25 on target compared to 31 on target for Liverpool. I think both teams clearly have the best defences by far this season. And I think covering them seems a no-brainer. But it's just about whether you want to get two Liverpool players, perhaps um, just one Liverpool, one City. I think with City, you've got the attack as well. And you could even potentially say there's a case for tripling up on the attack. So it's just about how you want to spread the money and, and who you bring in. Because most people also have Alonso in defence as well. And, and you know, if you're going to go for a City, Liverpool and, and Chelsea, you're going to be still saying you're big at the back. With City, they are a very, very good defence. There's no you getting around that. I mean, the one I always look at is big chances conceded. They've only conceded 10. Liverpool and Wolves joined on 13 and second bottom. But two of those 10 are penalties that Edison stupidly gave away. So really, they've only conceded eight big chances, which is pretty crazy in 13 games. The issue, as you mentioned, is the rotatability, uh, as we can maybe put it, of the players at the back. Maybe Walker is if you want to get those kind of consistent sixes is worth the premium to some extent. I mean, there's an argument that maybe he'll be more attacking now that Mendy's out, but he certainly doesn't look like the, the Carl Walker that we saw when he was at Tottenham and he was all physical attacking. I've got Edison in the back. And I'm perfectly happy of having Edison in goal. It's just whether now you jump onto them. I, I'm not too sure. I think probably you'd have transfers elsewhere, but if you did have a defensive transfer to make and whatever reason you then maybe it'd be worth moving across to the port. Yeah. If you've got them, keep them. I wouldn't necessarily be buying them in because you probably have other things to do, but it is a sensible thing to do if you do have two free transfers and you haven't got a city defender just to get one in just because it looks like you may be looking at a steady team of six points. So next question is from Andy. Let's talk FPL. And he's asked us about quick reversals. Is it ever permissible to reverse a transfer option in one week? He's particularly thinking of uh, 
Anthony Martial in this case, now that there's um, other options at Manchester City that might be better. And uh, yeah, so I was the victim, I guess, of a, a quick reversal this game week with my with my Vogue swap. But in that case, I guess it was a bit of a more of a sitter really at the time because you know I only had him in temporarily anyway because he was the cheapest option available. It just was quite unfortunate that I got punished in that manner. And I guess that is the problem when you are doing these sort of quick reversals. In my case, I took a couple of minus fours as well in a row and and when you kind of you know swap your players around you, you don't want to be doing it too much you want to kind of if you're going to bring a player in you've got to look at the next sort of five fixtures and think actually this guy I'm, I'm bringing him in for a reason I'm going to be keeping him for those next few game weeks rather than sort of saying right I'm going to get rid of him straight away and but it's tough I know you brought in Nancy Marshall this game week Tom and I know that you're also you know, looking at him and thinking, is he worth keeping? I mean, they've got Southampton up next, which is quite a nice fixture, and he could easily get an attack and return in that one. But after that, it's um, it's sort of a mixed bag, I guess. It's got Arsenal at home, which is a tough game. Fulham at home, which will be a very nice um, game week, actually, Tony, the Manchester United player. And then it's Liverpool away, which is, a, you know, a very tough fixture where Mourinho um, will surely park the bus. I think sometimes you have to kind of say, OK, I've made a mistake. I'm going to sell that player. I'm going to get rid of him. You know, I can afford Leroy Sane or someone like that easily. Generally, try and avoid it if you can by sort of planning your transfers ahead for a few game weeks and not just one game week at a time, I guess. Yeah, definitely. With Martial, uh, I think I'm just a bit frustrated I didn't get the instant payback. It seemed like a very odd game from our man in the stands, Goops. Um, but for you know, I'm still happy to have him for the next. Uh, you mentioned the fairly mixed bag. I mean, but but game week 18 to 21, they have a run which includes Cardiff away, Huddersfield at home, Bournemouth at home, and Newcastle away. So he will probably come back onto the radar then for a lot of people, if not in game week 16 for the Fulham game. Now I think he's still got the potential to perform very well at that price point. Admittedly, it probably would have been better to have the two FT and uh, maybe playing it a bit more patiently. But you know, the case was there for Martial, and the case remains there for Martial. It's just that the the blank that perhaps was going to come his way came his way, unfortunately, a bit earlier than I anticipated. But we'll see. I think he will still remain a fairly good differential. And if he does start to be dropped for whatever reason, then then he's out. Frankly, there is always a case to re- to reverse a transfer, especially if you think that it's been poor i try not to as you've just mentioned nick jump around with players uh, as much as possible just because you open yourself up to all sorts of psychological torture uh, by removing a player because uh, especially in that in that week you've gotten rid of him like you feel like you're watching what the player you got rid of did like this week. I was hiding behind the sofa throughout that entire Bournemouth game, but luckily I got away with it. So sometimes if it is for the greater goods, you know, a player like Sane comes in and it's Martial's your only option to get rid of, then fair enough. I can see why you do that. Very close to a Joe Hart assist, folks. Goal. <laughs> <laughs> Next question is wildcard wanderings. Richard Nyquist uh, says he's on a wildcard with the template breaking. But how much should he template or keep to the current players? And how much should he go go with his gut instinct of who will score the most over the next four or five game weeks? I mean, we're talking about the sort of the template, and this this game week was like the perfect week where that template got busted, and we saw some really good uh, scores from some people who perhaps went for a few differentials. I mean, Sterling hasn't really been in the template; he's definitely knocking on that door of that template now. Uh, TAA, another player who's perhaps not been in the template because most of us have owned um, sort of Robertson as part of our defence, and and this game week. And Leroy Sane and, you know, even the likes of Deli Ali, Christian Eriksen, these are players that perhaps um, weren't in the template. And there's definitely been a, a shift this game week. And there doesn't, I think you could easily say there's not a template anymore. You know, there's, there's players that most of us own, like Aguero and Hazard and uh, Salah, but we're all talking about perhaps uh, shifting these players out. So by all means, maybe if you're on your wild card, go for your guts look at who you think going to show most form and, and bring them in you know if you take a gamble and bring in a differential it could easily be um, that impetus especially for Richard who I know is um, having a storm of a season could really be that um, impetus to uh, to push you up right into the sort of challenge yeah absolutely I mean I, I feel, I'm very envious of people who do have a wild card so it's like having a grappling gun whereas the rest of us have to walk from game week to game week they can just get to the next kind of uh, setup which seems to be beneficial because it is looking like a little bit of a transitional time, you may be wishing to have a few calculated risks. As FPL Stag said last week, 
FPL does tend to boil down to the two or three players that everyone doesn't have as opposed to the eight players that everyone does. So having three players who are very, very good that a lot of people don't, people don't have or can't necessarily fit into one team could be highly beneficial. My only rejoinder to that is what I said in the first section, which is that we've had one game week, which is a bit of an anomaly. The overall average at the moment right now, according to Fix, is 50, and the top 1K is 46. And you, you don't really see that, that that often. You do often see the, the template winning out. So I'm not sure whether I'd overreact to that, if that makes sense. I'd still kind of temper my my urge to get in loads of differentials but having your odd pointed two or three um, which stands you in good stead moving forward is probably a good idea so having a plan to have Arsenal players in game week 16 Spurs players after North London derby or maybe even right now and just hoping for the best in that derby um, all very good things so yeah very envious of the wild card and hopefully it works out for you and everybody else who's on the wild card at the moment um next question then nick it's uh, uh one dear to both of our hearts uh desperately seeking duzan has asked is it time to ditch wolves players not doherty and not jimmy because they both probably remain good value but what about the other assets does not keeping cleany versus huddersfield say your ruby patricios and your bennett should probably be nearing the exit door a good link question to this is on bench utility uh, jeremy lewis asked how many men is minimum for the upcoming period quick shout out to jeremy as well who got married this weekend and congratulations to him and ria um, i met him in hong Kong and got very injured with him in Hong Kong, but it looks like he was wearing enough makeup that his face gash didn't show. Um, so yeah, two maybe connected questions here, Nick, on the Wolves assets and bench assets, because I think both probably fit in the same category if not talking about Doherty and Rui. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, yeah, for me, I've had Patricio since the start of the season. I've been doubled up in the Wolves defence. And whilst it worked out quite well for a couple of game weeks, I'm starting to really feel the sting of it. So maybe it is time um, for Patricio to move on. The only problem is like taking a hit on the goalkeeper. And, you know, I've got my plan transfers. I don't know how the sort of goalkeeper move will, um, will work. And, yeah, it was, it was a horrible game week. I, I really thought they'd do well against Huddersfield and you know a lot of people were expecting brilliant returns you know I was tripled up for that particularly particular game so it's particularly painful and Doherty um you know we're probably going to both be keeping him but he hasn't shown the attacking potential in the last few game weeks that we hoped he would but um still they've got Cardiff up next so they've got definitely got another game week where I'm probably just going to see what happens in that one and Nuno Espirito Santo is highly critical of their performance so it was one of the worst in in sort of 18 months of sort of managing the club and I think um you, they're going to be fired up shortly for that next game week but I think there are other options. I mean, I've been particularly jealous of Matt Ryan, who seems to be accruing the clean sheets quite nicely, and they've got quite a nice fixture run of Huddersfield, Crystal Palace, and Burnley up next. So he's potentially another goalkeeper option. There's also uh, Fabianski, and whilst they, you know, he didn't get zero, he got zero points this game. He, he played Manchester City, which is understandable. And West Ham's run is so good. They've got Newcastle, Cardiff, Crystal Palace, Fulham, Watford, Southampton, Burnley, Brighton as their sort of next sort of nine fixtures. So that's, that's a really nice uh, run of fixtures for West Ham. And perhaps I could do a sort of Patricio to Fabianski uh, swap because Fabianski also loves to save points as well. So there's, there could be some really massive returns for him as a goalkeeper you know and it'd be quite tempting perhaps I could see you know Fabianski easily outscoring Patricio by more than four points over that points um, over that period which will um, you know will make a goalkeeper swap a sensible decision so I think um, yeah I think it might be time to start disinvesting in the Wolves team we'll see how they get on with Cardiff and if they sort of turn it around and smash Cardiff you know that was quite interesting stuff you said earlier on in the pod about them being the sort of third best defence in, in the Premier League in terms of shots conceded so um, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see I think yeah, absolutely. I think in terms of the the bench question as well, like you know, having a bench of Juan uh, Bissaka, Gordon Bennett, and Hoiberg, I think a lot of people will be kind of sporting that sort of bench, won't they? Um, and I'll be having, for example, Kennedy, Success, and Bennett, which doesn't sound particularly great. Every now and again, you need a Cape Crusader to come off your bench and, and net you a couple of points if you're if there's a shock dropping or an injury or something like that, especially in the midweek pileup. So maybe having Bennett on your bench isn't isn't too terrible. But in terms of the bench, Nick, what are your views? 
Yeah, I mean, same as you. My bench isn't particularly strong. I've got Wambasaka there. I've got success. I've got Hoiberg. You know, um, Wambasaka had that six-pointer sitting on the bench, which would have been nice this game week. But um, I'm probably going to be rotating him a little bit with Lucas Dine as well over the coming game weeks. And I think um, it is always good to have a strong defense, uh, strong bench even, especially um, during this sort of period of fixture congestion when you've got sort of flighty assets or you're planning on bringing flighty assets like Leroy that could potentially be dropped any game week uh, but it depends really you know I, I concentrate ultimately on my starting 11 and making it as powerful as possible and then just going for whoever's cheap and playing essentially on the bench so you know the likes of success or the likes of Hoiberg or you know wan who's only 4.1 Bennett's uh, 4.2 but you know a lot of people bought these players at 4.0 and um, you know they were massively cheap and if you would start spending more money on that bench then you're you're going to be making sacrifices in your starting 11, which isn't always ideal. And, and you can also open yourself up to that horrible thing, which is a benching headache. Yeah, I'm, I'm not the sort of player who likes to have a benching headache. I always like to have a defined bench. Um, so I'm quite, I'm okay with the bench as as it is at the moment. I think maybe having having two uh, men on your bench who are able to come on is probably going to be very useful, especially in game week 15, that midweek fixture. And the idea of having Gordon Bennett was that I spent 4.2 million on him, right? So I've gone the lowest of the low. He's fairly highly owned. I mean, obviously I've got one Bissaka, I got a 4.0, but he's fairly highly owned. And if, you know, there is is a need for that bencher, that second or third bencher where Bennett will be coming off the bench and at least I get the points that everybody else does and it's very defensive and very boring. It means I've got 0.2, 0.3 to spend somewhere else but when you mentioned West Ham's run, Balbuena probably would have been a better choice to be honest. Some I know you would have played. I, I know you were tempted, but I know I know why you sort of commissioned Gordon into your team. To be honest, because uh, the price, the value, the fixture—it all made sense. You weren't going to expect that <laughs> that sort of horrific performance where Huddersfield scored two goals for the first time in eighteen months in the Premier League or whatever the hell it was. So uh, it was just you know it made it made sense at the time. We all got punished. You know, two of our friends in our Slack group even went ahead of Captain Doherty, which didn't work out quite for for them so yeah bad times all around for us and then we'll we'll strike that one off as a mistake and hope they sort of repay the the favor against Cardiff next next game week I'm not holding up hope right now yeah exactly I'm probably going to be just playing um, just playing Doc in that one I think and benching Bennett just back where he belongs uh, all right, let's move on to transfers and captains then. Uh, as you probably detected, I'm not entirely sure what I'm doing, so I'm going to pass it over to Nick first while I think about a coherent answer. What are we doing this week? So, yeah, um, I've just heard some new news actually about Sadio Mane and the fact that he's being assessed currently um, where Klopp's going to make a decision on his fitness. And I think that sort of like just makes my decision even more final that he's probably going to be leaving my team and I'm going to be bringing in Leroy Sane. There are other options though. I could potentially do, I can afford without taking a hit or anything, um, a hazard to Sterling swap if hazard was declared out. No, I don't really want to be selling hazard before the Fulham home game. But one thing's for certain is if I do do a transfer, it's probably going to be for Manchester City midfielder. And I'm certainly not going to take another hit unless I have a, a major injury crisis close to the deadline. In terms of captaincies, at the moment, I've got it on Hazard. And uh, he's likely to be the captain, which um, is just asking for trouble, to be honest. But um, hopefully he can deliver against Fulham, who have been pretty diabolical all season. Otherwise, it will be probably Aguero against Bournemouth. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's my choice at the moment. And so, go on then, Tom. Do you want to tell the listeners what what, what kind of plans you're formulating, if you have any at the moment? I think starting with captains, you'll be riding the Hasmobile. I don't think I'll be doing that. I think it'll just be uh, it'll be Man City player. It'll almost definitely be Kunagüero if if I don't buy uh, don't buy Raz Sterling. I mean, Raheem Sterling's the one that I'm obviously really worried about. There's two ways of getting them in. One's removing Mo Salah, and one, the other is removing Eden Hazard. Eden Hazard, if he didn't have that Fulham game, uh, would be gone. If he is injured, he's gone. By Friday, it will be 0.0. Um, I'll be selling uh, selling Raz for uh, selling Haz for and buying Raz, um, which would be very, very close. And will obviously do me out of buying Harry Kane, which would be quite worrying. But I don't think I'd be buying Sane. Uh, I think I would Sane. I think I would be buying um, buying Raheem Sterling. The other option is removing Salah and having lots of money. I don't know whether I can do anything actually. I just, it, it always, it all feels a bit, I feel a bit uncomfortable with it all. So I might just roll it 
and Captain Aguero and hope for the best. I'm genuinely, I genuinely feel a bit snookered at the moment. And the reason I'm snookered is because of Mo Salah. It's just whether I keep him or not. If I remove him, I don't know. I'm going to be exposed to a lot of psychological dread. And I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be able to watch Liverpool over the course of Christmas if I don't have him, for example. Oh, it's, it's a really tough call. I'll have to think about it over the course of the week and then make a decision. It's going to go right down to the wire for the Friday deadline, that's for sure. Right, uh, there's a theme every week. Uh, last week it was Father Ted, so congratulations to FPL Chancellor Dan, who got it during the live stream. Yep, and if you've forgotten who we are, we are who got the assists. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL. If you want to join our league, the code is 516-441. And there'll be no pod next week due to the quick turnaround in game weeks um, because by game 15, which is on Tuesday, if we recorded tonight, which is Monday, the pod would be live for 24 hours before it became dead, which is not worth anyone's time. But what we'll do instead is a live Q&A on Sunday evening on YouTube. Um, we'll just kind of pop online for an hour or so and just kind of ask questions. Or I'll, I'll ask questions beforehand, but no, we're quite enjoying doing a, doing a live show every now and again. It seems like a good time to do one, even though it is quite soon after the last one. So do come on, do get involved in that. We'll try to interact with the chat a little bit more, maybe try to release it in some way, um, but it won't be very pretty. I won't put much too much time into it because, as I mentioned, it'll just be dead by Tuesday. So I may just put whack a sound file onto SoundCloud or something. But yeah, no, it should be quite good fun, shouldn't it, Nick? Yeah, definitely looking forward to it. Um, we might even wear Christmas jumpers or maybe we'll save that for another game week. Um, but anyway, yeah, thanks for um, listening, guys, and uh, we hope this assists you. Yeah, we'll be back in game week 16. Bye. 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 It's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.